0: Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning. We, uh, I, I wanted to update you on Cindy's surgery. Many of you have been praying for my wife, and she had some skin cancer removed from her lower right eyelid, and everything went very well. Uh, they removed the cancer on Wednesday, and then they did some reconstruction on Thursday, and it looks looks really good. We're just praying that everything... Heals up very well, but I really appreciate you praying, and uh, she's here today, so she's feeling pretty good. She <laughs> when she's laying down, you know she's really tired, and she's been resting the last couple of days. It's been amazing. That doesn't happen very often, um, but we're very grateful to God. Thank you for your prayers and for your walking, walking through us, this with us. Um, we're continuing a message series today called uh, The Lies That Defeat Us. What we've been looking at are uh, the lies that tend to mislead us. That They, they don't tend to. If we, if we buy into them and we follow them, they mislead us to miss out on the life that God really wants for us to have. Um, the way it is now in this life, there's a reason for it. I don't have time to go into the, the whole explanation, but uh, Scripture has the best explanation for why we deal with frustration in this life. Oh, I'm tempted to go into it, but I don't have the time right now. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the way it is now, we have to fight to claim the life that God promises us. And the major part of this battle takes place in in our mind, in our thoughts, in in ingrained thought patterns that tug on our emotions and drag us down. And so we've been looking at these common lies, these common thoughts that keep cropping up and showing up as we try to handle life, as we try to do what God's assigned for us to do, as we try to handle things the way He wants us to, they, they keep showing up. So here, here are the common lies that we've been looking at. It's too hard. Saw this, I was watching a TV show yesterday, and one of the, one of the kids was trying to do his homework, this is just too hard, and what's the point? I mean, have you ever said that as a child growing up? You know, <laughs> well, this is too hard, and why do I need to know this anyway? You know, what? so it, if you, you, you do that, if, you, if that thought strikes you, you buy into it, you throw up your hands, and, you know, what, what's the use? You just stop trying. It, I'm too tired. If, if you sense that you're too tired, then you slack off at just the wrong time and it really damages your stewardships. It's not what I want. That's we looked at that last week. It it can if it's not what you want, you can blow up in anger and that also ruins things as well. So today what we're going to do is look at number 4 enemy thought, the lie that defeats us. It's not fair. The way the world is, there are consequences uh, from what others do. We don't always appreciate these consequences, but we are connected, and we can't disconnect, no matter how hard you try, you cannot disconnect from others and the consequences of what they do. What what people do is beyond our control, and it, it affects us, and sometimes even our own uh, actions have negative results that we didn't anticipate. So I'd like to show you this clip. It's from a commercial that illustrates the, the way that we get impacted by others' choices, and sometimes our, our actions have negative results as well that we didn't anticipate. We mean well, but we're imperfect creatures living in a beautifully imperfect world. Sometimes the little things get us, and other times, the not so little. It's amazing we've made it this far. <laughs> um, when things go wrong for no apparent reason, there's something inside the screams that is so unfair. That is just not right. The choices of others affect us. Sometimes there's evil intent. Sometimes there's no evil intent. The consequences are unintended. But what they do, what they choose, what they say, it affects us. Some common scenarios where unfair creeps in on us is at work. You're working very hard. You're pretty sure that you're the one that should get the promotion that's coming up. Somebody else gets the promotion. It's like you, you were overlooked. Nobody saw what you were doing. In family life, somebody else gets all the attention. You try, but it never seems to be enough. Somebody else gets the attention. If, if you've ever worked on a project at school, somebody drops the ball, and everybody gets a poor grade, it's just, just not fair. We're, we're connected like this. And we tend to think, why me, why now? It's just not fair. And those may not be the best questions to ask, but they're, they're the questions we battle as we deal with these unfair circumstances. So what do we need to do? How do we respond? What we've been doing in this series is we've been digging into uh, the history of Israel in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, and we've been digging out lessons from the way that God related to the Israelites as they were claiming the promised land that he had promised to him. This is a major lesson for us in that it takes a battle to claim the life that God's promised us. And he's teaching us through the history of Israel. He intends for us to learn lessons from uh, the stories of their battles that we can can get into. And we learn how, how God works, how they face the same lies, the same struggles that we have. They dealt with the same things. And we also see how God really helps when you turn to Him. So today, we're going to glean some lessons from an unfair attack. Completely unfair situation that we're going to dig into, and we're going to pull some lessons out of it. We're picking up the history of Israel when a man named Jehoshaphat, uh, you ever hear the phrase, jumping Jehoshaphat, or Jehoshaphat, however you say it? Yeah, (laughs) this this is the guy right here. This is Jehoshaphat. Um, he's the king of Judah at this point in, in Israel's history. The kingdom has been divided into two halves. There, there is now, uh, due to some divisiveness, due to rebellion, they couldn't, they couldn't cooperate. Or they chose not to. One half of the kingdom took the name Israel. It's the northern half. Another half of the kingdom took the name Judah. It's the southern half. The northern part... The the Israel part, they had a series of kings that the Bible says. This is the way the Bible puts it: did evil in the sight of the Lord. They had a run of kings. They were all they all did evil in the sight of God, and their kingdom ended after some time. God was patient, but He wrapped up that kingdom after after king after king kept doing evil in His sight. The other half of the kingdom took the name Judah, as I said. There were some good kings who sought the Lord, and there were some bad kings who didn't. They did evil as well, and they sought other gods. At this time, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and he's mostly a good king. Uh, Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Ahab, the king of Israel, and and at the time, he made this alliance, came together, and uh, Ahab induced him to attack. Ramath Gilead. So, he induces them to attack this country, and they lose horribly in this battle. So, Jehoshaphat allies with Ahab. They go to battle, and they lose. Ahab's killed in battle. Jehoshaphat's spared. Second, uh, Second Chronicles 19, 2-4 is where we pick up. It says... But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king, this is as he's coming back from the battle, they just lost, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asherahs out of the land. Those are uh, other gods, false gods. You destroyed them and you've set your heart to seek God. Jehoshaphat lived in at Jerusalem. And he went out again among the people from. So, this is how he responds to the word from God through the prophet. He went out among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So, Jehoshaphat, he's a good king, but he's not perfect. He's like all of us. God blessed him and used him to help the nation prosper. But he used very, very poor judgment in making his alliance with Ahab. A wicked king who did evil in the sight of God. This left an opening in the umbrella of God's protection. Now this is an important thing to understand. We, when we have a stewardship, God looks at our lives and he gives us stewardships, um, our, our role in the family. Either you're the head of the family or you have some kind of role in the family. That's your stewardship in that family, your realm of responsibility. At work, you have job description, you have responsibilities. That's your stewardship. In ministry, you're given responsibilities. As you come to know Christ, He wants you to serve Him. He gifts you to do so. He puts you at a certain level of service and a certain position in church life. And you have a stewardship. And you, over your stewardship, you answer directly to God. And what happened here is Jehoshaphat, he was in charge of the entire kingdom. He, that was his stewardship. And he made an alliance with Ahab. Ahab uh, was, was a man who wasn't concerned about God and God's ways. And when you tie yourself, when you ally yourself with someone who isn't concerned about God's ways, you're exposed because you are tied to their values and to their choices and to the way they decide to move forward. So alliances turn out to be very important. We need to make sure we use good judgment in alliances. This is why the Bible makes a big deal out of uh, who we marry and who we get into business with, any anytime there's a heart relationship where we're going to work together, God makes a big deal out of that because it, it, who you're tied to, who you're connected to, and who you align with affects the way he works uh, in, in the realm of that stewardship. So a very, very important lesson for us. I don't want to let us just let that go in here, but he, he made a very poor decision in aligning with Ahab that opened up the umbrella of protection that God provides. Because the way God is, if you want to step out and do life your own way, he will let you do that. And he, he will let you, actually, he will allow you to continue to walking away, to walk away from him on through eternity. And if you choose, you, can, you, you will live separate from him uh, for, for eternity. He'll honor your decision. We have one life. We have the opportunity to choose to turn from going our own way and follow God and, and live his way. And if we don't, he'll just honor our decision, and he does that here and now. A lot of the trouble we experience is, is mysterious to us, but, but a good deal of it relates to how we have handled our decision-making process. Proverbs says, the folly, uh, folly of man ruins his life, but his heart rages against God. We, we tend to make decisions and pay a consequence, and then we just, oh, God, why'd you let that happen? And God's thinking, well, why'd you make that choice? Because there's some interplay between God's control and his moving history toward his purpose and our own decisions. And he allows that. Because would it be really, is it any Is it any fun to relate to somebody who's sort of like, they have to be nice, they have to be kind, they have to be good? I mean, you know, he he made us because he loves us, and he wants us to be able to love him back in a very, very genuine way. And so to do that, he had to give us this ability to choose not to love him back and to go our own way and rebel and be independent of him. And so when we choose that, he lets us go that way. And we pay the price for it. Uh, Jehoshaphat, when this prophet came to him, back to the story, when the prophet came to him and expressed God's displeasure with his decision to ally with uh, Ahab, Jehoshaphat, in the face of God's announcement, he makes many reforms. So he, he goes, he says, that is so Right. And I was completely wrong for making that alliance. Shouldn't have done it. And he makes many, many reforms to bring the nation back into alignment with what would please God. And particularly it says he appoints judges and he commands the judges to make judgments in the fear of the Lord. So he puts judges in place who are going to be making decisions and he commands them to make judgments in the fear of the Lord. fear of the Lord means that you take God so seriously that you stay inside the boundaries that he set up for life. That's what it means. We don't use that phrase. We hear about God fearing people or fear of the Lord. And we don't think about that so much today. It's not a a current phrase, but that's what it means. It means that you take God seriously. You realize he's involved in the details of my life and I'm going to stay in the boundaries that he set up. And so he commands the judges to do this. So he, he responds so well and so right to the correction that God brings through the prophet. And as he's doing, watch what happens here. As he's doing his best to bring the nation back to God, a threat arises. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 2. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Muanites, um, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are are in Zazan Tamar. And and that's the En Gedi. So they're they're right up against where um, the kingdom of Judah is. They're right next. they're, They're mounting. They're gathering the troops. They're right there on the border of the nation. And Jehoshaphat... After all the good he's been trying to do, this is this is the reward. The Moabites, the Ammonites, mount up to come against him in war. Um, now this seems extremely unfair, doesn't it? I mean, in, in the way our minds work, I'm trying to do all the good. I'm just I'm just trying to make good things happen here. I'm I'm trying to bring the people back to God. I have put these judges in place. I've commanded them to make judgments in light of what you know would please God and inside of his boundaries and the reward i get is this assault from a horde of of people now here's here's something that's interesting about this story as well this is extremely unfair especially since the moabites were shown grace and kindness by god and the nation of israel when they entered the promised land there was a a prior agreement that God had made with the Moabites, and he commanded the, he said, as you start to take the, the, the promised land, as you start to fight the battles, do not harass and do not fight the Moabites. God had made an agreement with them in, in an earlier history. So here they are. God instructs the Israelites not to harass or battle Moab, and they don't do it. They leave them alone, and the people that were shown the grace and kindness by God and the Israelites are now turning to attack. Have you ever been there? <laughs> you, know, you, 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 you show kindness to someone, you, you try to do what's right before them, and in their own selfish desires, they turn to attack. What you've done wasn't enough, and they, they want another pound of flesh from you. Jehoshaphat shows us how to respond. This is, this is actually a clinic in how to respond to unfair circumstances. Look at verse 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. He turns to God, and he leads the people to seek God as well. He stands in the assembly. He, he gathers the people together. He stands in the assembly, and this is what he prays. O oh Lord God, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations in your hand or power and might so that none is able to withstand you. The first thing Jehoshaphat does is he acknowledges God's sovereignty, his control. Lord God, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of... Uh, how unfair this seems to me. You're in control. You're in charge. We talked about the shield of faith last week. God is in control and he will not rip me off. That's the shield of faith. That's that's actually what Jehoshaphat does. God, you are in control. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to trust you. This is where Jesus tells us to start in prayer. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We start... As we approach God, we start by acknowledging, by praising, by thanking Him, by acknowledging who He is and that He's in control. So the best response to an unfair circumstance is to put yourself under God's control and to set yourself to do things God's way, not to work out your own strategy. Our knee jerk is going to be, all right, this is wrong. What can I do to make this right? What can I do to defend myself? What can I do to work this out? What strategy can I come up with to make things fair? I've got to balance things out. But Jehoshaphat turns to God. And what he does, uh, that's the first part of his prayer. He begins to recount God's faithfulness to Israel. He starts talking about all the things he's done. And then he declares loyalty to God no matter what happens. Then he respectfully makes a request. This is what he says, verse 10 through 12. And now behold, the men of Am- Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. This, this shows you what was at stake. So Jehoshaphat, he, he gathers the entire nation, and he, he brings them before God, and you see the picture Of what's at stake here we're we're all connected you can hear the anguish in his words God this we are we are powerless against this horde of people and then he gives an incredibly instructive statement in his prayer we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you We're, we're looking to you God so in response to this prayer God begins to speak through one of the men uh, in In the nation, and he stands and he says these are god 's words through him. You will not need to fight in this battle. stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed tomorrow. go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. This is what God always says as we deal with some as we 're about to go into something we 're afraid of. I am going to walk." through this with you. I'm going to be there with you. That's the only solid reason for confidence. That's the only reason we can walk through anything with any measure of real confidence because God's going to be walking through that with us. He's going to be helping. He's going to be guiding. If we're leaning on Him, if we're relying on Him, He will walk through it. He will show us how to walk through it. And He will bring us to the other side and we'll be better for it. What a great example. Fat doesn't throw fit, fuss, and fume about the unfairness of the attack. Boy, you kind of want to, you know, when unfair stuff's going on, you just, Hurr! this is just not right here. He turns to God and he asks for help. The one who is working out his grand agenda in the world, God is. He turns to him, he has the power, God has the power to help. That's who he goes to. And the lesson here for me and for all of us, is I don't demand my version of fairness in the here and now because I know that God will make it right by me as he works out his purpose in the world. There's more than, that's going on in this world than my wants and my, my desires. God is working through my life to fulfill his purpose in me. And that means sometimes I have to deal with the unfairness that's coming at me. I, I can't run the universe. This is an important lesson. Running the universe is beyond me. <laughs> and so only God can do that successfully. You know, only God can pull that off. My part is to focus on his command and his direction, what he's saying to me right here, right now, and let him lead me to do what will prosper me what will prosper those I'm responsible to, and what will prosper those I'm responsible for. Joseph was a key figure uh, in the early history of what God did among people as he was forming the nation of Israel. And he was unfairly treated by his brothers, uh, epically. You can read about it in Genesis 37 through 50, but un, you know, epic, unfair treatment by his brothers, Uh, By the wife of a master, he was sold into slavery. The wife's master uh, treated him wrongly. Promises were made and broken all along the way. At the end of all that God had worked to make things right in his life, he made a statement which brings the truth to bear on the enemy thought we're looking at today. He said to his brothers who had sold him into slavery, As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God works out through the unfair stuff that goes on in our lives. He works out His purpose. His purpose is broader than us. If we learn to respond to Him, if we learn to trust Him and walk through things with Him, He, he uses our choices to, to honor Him, really bless more than just ourselves the people we're connected to and those those beyond we can't control the circumstances in life there is no way but we can control our responses to them and so here are some right ways to respond uh, that show how to overcome this lie that we're looking at today first of all refuse to blame god uh others or god just refuse blame that's When something unfair happens, what do you want to do? Looking around, who can I blame? Who can I take down for this? Who can I get? When trouble erupts, it's very natural to start pointing the finger at the person we think caused the problem. Or if you can't find anybody, blame God. Very, very natural. When Jehoshaphat was feeling overwhelmed, his initial response was, Lord God, in the middle of this chaos, you're in control. In this way, he didn't blame God. He didn't blame his enemies or anyone else. But he chose to acknowledge God's sovereignty and remain under his control. And that allowed him to get past all the wasted time and frustration of blame. Second key response, refuse to take matters into my own hands and trust God. I need to trust God with this. Sometimes we have the urge, maybe often, we have the urge to take matters in our own hands and it may, may look like demanding to be treated fairly storming in somewhere and letting them know what's what, and this is what I need. Or it's making others pay who aren't treating us the right way, the way we think we should be treated. But Jehoshaphat and people through Scripture show us how to respond, particularly the one we follow, Jesus Christ. He He shows us how to respond to unfair treatment. 1 Peter 2.23, it's not in your outline, it's not on the screen, but it says... Uh, when when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. But instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's the right response to unfair treatment by others, to unfair circumstances in life. God, I'm going to trust myself to you because I know you judge justly and you will bring justice in the end. There's a recent movie. In our family, we really enjoyed it. We loved it. Uh, It was about Jackie Robinson. It's called 42, first African-American to play uh, baseball uh, in the major leagues. And it was a real lesson in how to respond to unfair treatment by other people. Uh, Mr. Robinson led the way in breaking the color barrier in baseball, and he was invited to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. What's, what doesn't come out in the, in the movie is that both Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, are, were very, very devout, strong believers in Christ. So the, these were men who uh, understood scriptures. They understood how God works. They walked with him. And... Um, what, what you don't see in the movie that came out is this desire to do what pleases God. And I'd like to show you a clip because it's such a great example to me of how we have to lay aside what's unfair often to accomplish God's purpose in our lives. So here's the clip. It's actually, I want to set it up before, oh, too late. No, it's not. Uh, let me set it up real quick before you watch it. Um, This is the conversation between Branch Rickey, the owner of the Dodgers, and Jackie Robinson as he's about to hire him and ask him to come on to the Dodgers, and it's a description of what Branch Rickey sees as uh, what it's gonna take in order to to break this barrier. I'll pay you $600 a month, and a $3,500 bonus when you sign the contract that agreeable yes that's fine there's one condition I know you can hit behind the runner that you can read a pitch one question is can you control your temper my temper yes your temper what are you deaf a black man in white baseball (laughs) can you imagine the reaction the vitriol Dodgers check into a hotel, a a decent, good hotel. You're worn out from the road. Some clerk won't give you the pen to sign in with. We got no room for you, boy. Not even down in the coal bin where you belong. Team stops at a restaurant. Waiter won't take your order. Didn't you see the sign on the door? What are you going to do then? Fight him? Ruin all my plans? Answer me! You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No. No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. Prejudice is, uh, is, is at the pinnacle of what's wrong and unfair. And uh, Mr. Ricky, it really wasn't about ruining his plans, that's the way they made it in the movie, it was really, he had a real sense that God was leading him to, to be on the forefront of breaking this barrier and beginning to bring change <clears throat> in America that way. Uh, but Jackie Robinson had to keep laying aside his own pride Dignity, really, not not wrong kind of pride, but his own dignity, for a greater purpose, to accomplish something greater, and this is exactly what God calls us to do. There is a time, there is a time to stop violence. There is a time to react against it, but we need wisdom from God as to to know when to just surrender, to trust ourselves to God, and allow Him to work. For us, uh, we have to keep our eyes fixed on God when difficult circumstances are pressing in. In the case of Jehoshaphat, he said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He could have taken matters into his own hands by devising another plan instead of waiting for God's plan. But he went step by step with him. When we go it on our own or we ally with those who do, God holds back his help. And so we want to be careful not to step out from under his umbrella and to walk through things with him. Instead uh, of <clears throat> blaming others, instead of taking matters into our own hands, look to God and ask him for help. Finally, we, we, we need to take action. We're going to need to do something. Uh, there may be something that God wants us to do in response to a difficult circumstance, but we have to keep God's goal in mind and not respond out of... Self-protection or self-interest in, that in a way that's going to derail the goal that God has in mind. We need his help to respond in his way, not in our way. Um, one of the amazing things that can happen when we trust God is a sense of peace and, and rest. Look at the end of Jehoshaphat's story. Very interesting. 2 Chronicles twenty twenty-nine through 30. And the fear of God came on all the kingdom of the countries when they heard that the Lord... Had fought against the enemies of Israel, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. He chose to set his eyes on God, do things God's way, and there was peace. And this is how it is. Consider the areas of your life right now where you may need to experience peace and rest from all sides. <laughs> and all this is what we want, isn't it? Imagine the difference if you're thinking about an unfair circumstance, if you're thinking about an area in which you're struggling. Imagine the difference if you allow God to lead you through that, through the difficult situation to a time of peace. That's where God wants to take you. Think about that. That's what what God will do. I want to take the time to consider some practical next steps uh, based on the message today. And if you would, please take the connection card that's in your program, find that and take that out, and if you flip it over to the back, you'll see some of these next steps that I'm suggesting. Maybe you've been thinking about a situation that's going on right now, it seems really unfair. It could be something at work that's really frustrating you, or maybe it just seems that everything at home just isn't right, things are out of balance, uh, maybe you've just been really displeased with the way things are going in a certain area of your life. Here's some next steps you might consider taking. First one, memorize Genesis 50 20. As for you, you meant it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. This is a great verse just to remember uh, that God is in control. He's working out his purpose in history. Um, Second step, identify a matter that I've taken into my own hands and then trust God with it instead. Give it to God. Look to Him. Ask Him how to lead. And then finally, take action by doing it God's way, not my way. Maybe you don't know what God's way is, and you need to talk to someone. Talk to a more mature Christian about how to walk through this and how how to handle it. But we step out diligently, trusting God uh, to do what He's going to do. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word, uh, for the way that you guide us, and uh, for the way that you walk through uh, things with us, God. You, You don't leave us alone if we'll turn to you and walk through life trusting you. So help us, God, to see what to do where we don't know what to do. Help us, God, to put our own desires that need to be set aside so that you can accomplish your purpose through us. God, help us to do that in faith. And may you walk, uh, work and, uh, in our lives in the areas of trouble and unsettledness. And may you bring peace as we set out to follow you, God. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a couple things in the program that I'd like to highlight for you. <clears throat> uh, the the first